2: And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Docks slams it in. There's Lindegaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start! after just six minutes. Stansfield, good turn
0: away from Trott, goal! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Glover's Cast. Uh, Joining myself and Dave on this episode is former Yeovil Town, Southend United, Hereford United and Crawley Town midfielder Ben Smith. Ben joined Yeovil from Reading in 1998 and went on to play more than 100 times for the Glovers before departing in 2001. He's written one of the best footballing books I've read, Journeyman, which, if you're a fan of lower league football, it is a must read if you haven't read it already. Ben, thanks for taking the time out to chat with us and welcome to the Glovers cast.
1: No problem, thanks for having me.
0: Our pleasure, our pleasure. So, let's start when you, you know, you first, you joined Yeovil Town from Reading at the end of the 97-98 season. What do you remember about your first impressions of Hewish Park and Yeovil when you were pulled up? Yeah, well, it's
1: obviously a bit probably naive at that age. I didn't probably know much much about Yeovil at all, really. So, um, I remember I was at Reading, it was coming sort of to the end of the season. In those days, you didn't have the transfer window, so it was the it might have been the last Thursday or the third Thursday in March was like the, the last time you could sign for a club before the end of the season. So um, it was pretty clear that I wasn't going to get my contract renewed at Reading. Alan Pardew was the reserve team manager at that time. We obviously had some Yeovil connections from, from playing there in the past. So he just made me aware of the opportunity to come to Yeovil. Um, and obviously, that said, it was, it was clear I wasn't getting a new contract at Reading. Probably didn't deserve one the way I was performing and behaving. Um, and... And I had that opportunity, so I had, I had nothing to lose, really. So, and then I come down to Yeovil, and you realise sort of that it's the first thing you think is I oh, it's non-league and then you realise when you go there that it's a, a football league club in waiting, really. So as soon as I went there and met the chairman and met Colin at the time, it was pretty much a a no-brainer. Again, like I said, I was quite naive at the time and Reading was sort of saying that I'd go there on a two-year contract, but effectively all I did was go just on a sort of non-contract basis, which I said at the time I probably didn't realise that that left me with pretty much no security, um, but it didn't. It, yeah, it didn't. I didn't. It, it didn't really seem to matter, and it was good. It was good. I just went there, and obviously, it, I think for every young player, you have to go and play first team football at some stage, whatever the level is. And then that was probably the right time for me to go into a, a, a men's environment and play play at a first team, rather than obviously I was at reserve in the reserves at Reading, which is still, you know, relatively younger players you're playing against. So it was. No, it was. Um, it was a good experience. And as soon as as soon as I went there, I thought I might as well give it a go. Yeah.
3: And, and Ben, you, you talk about Alan Pardew then. Obviously, his connections with Yeovil. It, sounds, it seems, from reading your book, that he was someone that was quite important to you when you were coming through the ranks at Reading. I mean, you, uh, not remember word for word what you said. Obviously, it's a long time ago. But uh, do you remember what he what he told you about Yeovil? Because he was a you know well
1: thought of player um, still still today by a lot of uh, you
3: know older fans.
1: Yeah, well no, I think he just he just told me that it was it was a big club for that sort of level and, and similar to what I've said there, really, he was he was well aware that I needed to go and play first team football. I need to grow up a bit as well, really. Yeah. Um and going, I think going into a first team environment, you grow up a lot quicker because if you're not pulling your weight and doing your, your stuff, if it's not the manager telling you, it's the more senior player. So it was it was the it was the right thing for me. Um and he was obviously a big advocate of, of over, and I think it sort of don't know his career history perfectly, but I'm pretty sure that helped kickstart his career as he moved sort of through yeah. the non-league and then went into the football league and had a, a, you know, a stellar career as a player, and then also obviously gone on to have a really good career as a manager as well. So it was, um, he, it was good advice he gave me, really. Yeah, and he'd have turned up at Hewish Park,
3: and like you say, the setup that you've you've seen there. I mean, was a relatively new stadium back then in in '98, so it would have looked gleaming, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that was the first thing that. That, that struck me. And also, when you're playing in the reserves, obviously you're midweek all the time, you're playing in front of nobody. So the fact that Yeovil even, you know, I knew they had a couple of thousand fans and you was playing at three o'clock on a Saturday, which is when you want to play, um, all that sort of sort of uh, made my mind up for me. And the fact, at that time, I was allowed to, um, I was still living in the Reading area, which obviously wasn't, I mean, it's not round the corner, but it's <laughs> it's not quite big as commute as it was when after, when that, first sort of from march to the end of the season i went and moved back to essex for a couple of years which probably wasn't the greatest idea of all the commuting and traveling but um but yeah no no it was like i said the, the setup was impressive i know i knew next to nothing about the league or the my teammates or the the people i'd be playing against but I soon realized obviously when i joined there's a lot of really good players i think you go to that level quite naively thinking i'll drop, drop down for a bit and then i'll move back up but you don't realize that probably every single player at that level has thought the same thing <laughs> and yeah. uh, and like all of us in the football pyramid you find your place in, in the pyramid and uh I soon realized that I, I had a I'm sure we get on to I had a brilliant start when I went and then I soon sort of leveled out a bit and and then you realize that god just to stabilize at that level and have a good career at, at that level is is an achievement in itself
0: yeah so so going into that a little bit you're, you 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 know you've said to us you're a bit naive and in your book you know you talk about how you probably weren't as professional as you should have been. How did the manager at the time sort of did he help you through? What was your relationship like with um Colin Lippiett at the time?
1: Well Colin was he was fantastic for me. Um obviously he signed me. He was he was like I don't know if you guys met him in that I'm sure he did. He's really yeah, he was. just a very laid back guy and he very uh great personality. Um so he helped me a lot but maybe I probably needed someone a bit stricter <laughs> at, at that time in my career. That's not Colin's fault. Obviously Colin <laughs> Colin's coaching to his his style but it was was pretty laid back, and I wasn't mature enough at that age to, or probably understood well enough what was required to, to have a career as a professional footballer and just sort of live my life like a 19 year old, which is fine. If you're a 19 year old going to college, probably not great if you're trying to work your way up the, up, up the football league. But there's no, no, like I was really grateful, for obviously, uh, that Colin gave me the opportunity to go and play first team football. Yeah, and you're
3: you talking the in the book as, as as ian said about that relationship and it sounds like uh as, as you admit yourself but uh, your the, the the way that you've behaved time kind of hurt that relationship a little bit and i know there was a, a transfer listed at the end of uh was it that first season you were or was it the second season?
1: yeah no the second so I've, i um so like initially like i said i signed on sort of a non-contract basis and obviously mm. started off really well and i think i scored five goals in the first yeah. ten games which is obviously a Good return, especially for a young player that's fan coming into um, first team football so and so then I signed a two year contract, and that's when it sort of I found that obviously initially I'd just come from full time football so I was really I was fit probably fitter than the majority of the players because at that time the conference would have been pretty oh, much a so. league. yeah, yeah. It's now it's a pretty much a full time league so but as that as the the, the season ended and especially rolling into the next year, that fitness had leveled off, and I wasn't nowhere near as fit as what I needed to be um and that was, and obviously it's obvious now, I know that this now is a more, is a more senior player of experience, but um, my fitness levels were so, so poor that I couldn't replicate the level of performance that I would put in early. Earlier mm. in the, I, was, I was more than, football-wise, the level was, was comfortable for me, but athletically, I had to be at the top of my game to be able to compete, and I wasn't. I was overweight, um, I wasn't fit enough. So that became, my performances became erratic. So when I was good, I was good. When I was poor, I was crap. <laughs> yeah, and that's no good to the manager, is it? When you don't know what you're getting from one week to the next. I no. like to get subbed after about fifty minutes. So, um, and that and a lot of that was self-inflicted because of my lifestyle. I Think, um, yeah. but again, you live and learn. Don't you, I regret a lot of that stuff, and I think I should know better. And I probably did know a bit better, but I also know that at that age, I didn't have the education that young players get now about yeah. nutrition, sleep, and all the other stuff, fitness. Which you know, partly that's my responsibility, but it's just how the game's moved on isn't it and, and stuff like that so there's, there's a regret there um and then deservedly i got put on the transfer list at the end of that season yeah i wasn't i wasn't pulling my weight and, and 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 performing to the level anywhere near the level i was capable of i don't think anyone doubted that i was good enough for the level i think it was probably a case of if we can get rid of him we can if not hopefully it will give him a kick up the backside, mm-hmm. um which he did because i knew that uh, with all due respect to yoval i was in the conference and i was sort of drinking in last chance alone. i was probably drinking too much that was a problem <laughs> but uh, metaphorically speaking i was drinking in last chance saloon and you know if you get released from yoval with all due respect where'd you go yeah so, yeah so and and i knew deep down even though i wasn't applying myself properly i knew i knew i was good enough i knew i was good enough but i had to graph a little bit which which i started to do um probably not as quickly as i needed to but a little bit yeah.
3: but you did uh, in that time turn down uh... Uh, In your book, you talk about turning down an offer from Rushton who obviously we were going toe-to-toe with at that point. Well, and that's, um, that must have been quite
1: something because they were chucking some money around at that time, weren't they? Well, believe me, I didn't turn it down through choice. Um, no. But <laughs> I literally, so the, we played Russian Diamonds, which was my 10th game since I joined over and I scored. And I, if I do say so myself, I was quite magnificent. Um, <laughs> I scored, I set it up. are not going to disagree I, Yeah. Yeah, and I <laughs> tore them apart. Like, not just me, but the team did. But my I had a really good individual performance. Literally, I got home that night and had a phone call from someone representing the club saying they wanted to sign me um offering me a like a big the contract was worth like a thousand pound a week with bonuses yeah. and stuff now i look at that and think well that would have been a great contract for me at that age but then i think that might have that sped up my decline really because i don't feel, I, I was struggling to control myself on 300 quid a week let alone a thousand pounds. <laughs> so in a strange way it may well have been a blessing in disguise like it was um i'd literally just signed the contract for the oval uh, they wanted me to go um they then to talk to me about forcing the issue a bit but i've never been comfortable with that you know like mm-hmm. i was i was really happy you i know, really appreciate the opportunity um so i didn't want to like start being a pain in the ass and, and misbehaving. i don't I think don't that's mm-hmm. the right way to do things and then um rushed and didn't want to push it too much when they then realized that they would like to pay some sort of transfer fee so I, I imagine if i'd been if i wanted to i could have probably got myself out of it but you know that wasn't the way i wanted to work and then um, like i said I regret it because obviously it's a they were obviously a fantastic club going for it then lovely facilities and stuff but I'm not sure I said earning that sort of money I'm not I I think that might have been worse for me in the long term.
0: There's a a great story in your book uh, where you say about how you walked into the um, the chairman's office with a pint in hand and put (laughs) put your pint on the on the desk for uh, a negotiation (laughs) what do do you think yeah yeah what what was his reaction and what what do you think about that now looking back
1: Uh, I just feel a bit sick in my mouth now you're just saying it's It's just like it's unreal but as ridiculous as this sounds it was I don't know if it was normal not for an 18, 19 year old to do that but it worked like I remember it well because I think it was a right near the end of the season we were having like a, a, a players night out and we was having a, this was after a game so was we having a few beers in the bar after the game and they wanted to speak to a lot of us after the game about contracts so whether that was the right place to do it or not from everyone's perspective i'm not so sure <laughs> and i was probably about like three or four pints deep and then you're going in there and i'm like, like i said again probably a bit of arrogance a bit of naivety of youth telling him that i want to be the highest paid player um and all this sort of stuff and slapping a, a fosters on the on the deck <laughs> as i've done it now i'm not sure if i was the chairman i'm not sure i'd be making a 19 year old the highest paid player at the club if he was sitting there thought he could slap a fosters on the table while he was chatting to me um and then you, you don't realize at that time again you're young you don't realize what people like steve stott have done what people like warren patmore have done in the game and the you know that the level they're at and i'm expecting to be on the on parity with those like which is just ridiculous isn't it but it's but i, I don't think i'm not sure John really battered eyelid too much. Said, like <laughs> it wasn't professional then, quite clearly. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I look at it now, and just absolutely, yeah, just absolutely cringy. Just, um, you know, I think when I was a young player, I probably made every single mistake that you could make, and that was one pretty. Like, like I say, it's funny and cringy all in one, <laughs> one sentence.
3: Probably wondering why I won a part of cider. i thought being a oval, but.
1: Well, exactly. If I was trying to get him on the right side, I would have got gone for the side of winner. But then again, I was told just too uneducated at that time. Didn't realise the uh, the cultural uh, differences. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, it was um, not long after that. Obviously, um, Colin uh, re- resigned. I think he did when the club went went full time, and he had uh, D- Dave Webb come in. And it, I mean, he literally shut the shut the club up, didn't he? I mean, uh, how how scary was he when I remember him as a manager, and he was pretty, uh, you know you want a man you cross what was he what
1: was he like to play as for as scary as you would imagine, imagine yeah. maybe even scarier yeah he's just he just had that he's got that aura about him he didn't really raise his voice too often no he didn't have to he just had to look at you yeah <laughs> but but that uh, that from my perspective that hey, that's what i needed yeah i needed someone like you knew because i think when you're a young player you always want to push the boundaries and with and with and with colin he would allow me to push the boundaries And no that's not his that wasn't his problem that was my problem do you know what i mean but but with david webb there was no pushing of boundaries the boundaries were very clear and if you pushed it you were gone do you know what i mean there was no and and he made and what he was what i really liked about him. he made the game really simple so he told you exactly what you had to do that was it and he had to do that job you not have to do anything more but if you didn't do it he'd, he'd tell you no, no uncertain terms i remember when, we, when he first came we all had like an individual meeting he said to me, where do you like playing? I went, I like playing like off the strike or like a number 10. He went, we don't do that. He said, I only play 4 or 2 I was like, uh, I don't mind playing in a 4 4 Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll
3: play Central midfield. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. And that was the
1: end of the conversation. And then and then it was funny because obviously, if you remember, if you can remember rightly that time, he basically got rid of all the older players. Yeah. And the players earning the, the big money. And, and one of the young team with young players, obviously, saved the club some money. And also players, I'm, I'm assuming, that he could develop and sell on. So we, we had, I think we had about eight or 10 games when he came in um, to the end of the season. I played in all of them. And I, I was really happy what I'd done. I'd would I'd, I'd done what he'd asked, you know, played in a 4-4-2, done probably a bit more of the, the uglier side of the game better than what I had done previously, been more consistent. So I was sitting there relatively, so the club was moving full-time. So I was sitting there pretty confident that I'd be offered a full-time contract, you know, as, as, as much as you can. Be playing every minute of every game, pretty much, doing doing a decent job. Because if, again, if I don't know if you'd remember, but we, we pretty much all the older players went pretty much straight away, so we had like a really young team. We was, I remember, I think the first game might have been Doncaster away, and we won three 0 or three one. My memory might not be, we definitely won, and everyone was like taken aback. I remember Brandy Lindergard had to have a day off from Marks and Spencers to come, because <laughs> you know, he But you know, like silly stuff. So we had a really young team, but we we did okay with it. So I'm gone into this next meeting thinking I'm comfortable. With it. I'm going to get a contract. And he went, "I was going to let you go." I went, "All right." He said, "But in the last game, you you made a run into the box, didn't quite get there. And you then you sprinted back and made a, a tackle in the eighteen-yard box defensively, which obviously was rare for me. But um, <laughs> and and that was the one thing he said that just that, wow. that decided to keep me and fine made, margins, eh? yeah, really fine margins. But I know, like I said, I was again with that naivety of you, you think I have played all the games. You know, he's gonna he must be happy. And it was that that little incident. I don't think he was saying that for effect." I don't think he was that sort of guy. He's that yeah. sort of guy. I think he was saying it because it was true. But again, all these sort of things that he did to keep me on my toes is what I probably needed, or I definitely needed at that age.
0: To to go from someone like um, David Webb in charge to then Colin Addison, do, do you think we'd have gone on to beat Rushton um, to the title that season if if David Webb had stayed?
1: Yeah, comfortably. Mm. Yeah, But it wasn't, again... It wasn't, that was no fault of Colin. When Colin, Colin Addison come in, it was just, it, we had a young team and he had us on a tight leash. So like, obviously the way we behave, what we did, blah, blah, blah. Whereas Colin, again, um, Addison was again, really, obviously, really good coach, great manager, good guy. But again, it, probably more from the Colin Lippe at school of gave you a lot more um, freedom, allowed you to do a lot more, which when you're young, that's fun, isn't it? That's what you want. But you don't realise that actually, like when David Webb was, met, we were the fittest team of the fittest that had ever been, like the hardest pre season I'd ever done, and probably st- ever done, even like after playing for 17, 18 years. And again, that just sort of just tapered away as the season went on, especially people like me who weren't behaving themselves properly and getting a bit excited. Um, and we probably just lacked that little bit of nouse at the end. But if I remember rightly, it still only took, we took it to the, maybe the last game but one, yeah. or like that. Um, but like my form tailed off because I was just enjoying myself too much and not probably training anywhere near as hard. And again, that's not—it's my fault. It's not Colin's fault. It's, but I just think that like I said at that age, David Webb was a was was the right person for me at the at, at the right time. Do you, do you remember
3: that game at Dover, Ben? When you were uh, yes. <laughs> read about that in the book as well. I remember. I remember that one. That was. Uh...
1: But yeah, it's a, lot of a cringe moment, isn't it? You know, like I've not been. I hadn't been performing well. I deserved to be dropped out of the team. Um, I suppose a little bit of freak of coincidence, isn't it? Because I don't remember many clubs that had bars that looked onto the pitch that stayed open while <laughs> like the game was on. So, you know, again, I should know better. We, we should know better. There was a few of us which we, we yeah. should know better, and it's just not the way to behave. And the thing that, that makes me laugh is that, well, not makes me laugh, it makes me cringe even more probably, is that when we got off the bus, back that I just went straight out that night as well. like, <laughs> right. oh, God, this a bit far just just kept going out and, that, and then we got uh pulled in the next day and got fined and told off and stuff and then some of the stuff that i think i think was it colin oh, yeah colin was manager that said oh, i can't believe he did this and i was like no no of course we didn't and we did mm. like knocking on the windows when people are, are um a plan and stuff you know it's just it's, it's, it's poor form and again again but it's like i say it's, it's just a it's a combination, a bit of naivety, lack of professionalism, and, uh, and and many of those little things which, like I said, you look back on and think, if I if I was a senior player and a younger player was doing that, I would have tore a strip off him, but you, you learn from your mistakes a lot of the time, don't you? Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, he, he did, uh, like you say, uh, sort of find you and give you a bit of a, a going over there. So, he, he did have a, a bit of that side to him, uh, did he? Colin Addison, because, like you say, he was another, at uh, the school of Colin Lippy. he was a nice guy, wasn't yeah. he?
1: Oh, undoubtedly, yeah. And I, if I remember rightly, from then on, I hardly played. I, um, mm-hmm. I was on the bench a couple of times and came on. Don't think I started another game. Um, mm-hmm. Because before that, there was a there was a big. I think around the November time when things were still going really well, mm-hmm. club talked had offered me a new contract and um, a couple of years, and I wanted a bit more money, and they didn't want to give it. So it was just like we'll just like yeah, we'll just wait. You know, but I was fine with that because things were going well. They were fine, but then obviously as my form deteriorated i should have i would have snapped their hand off for of that contract <laughs> um, but yeah no collie did have that too him. mean you know like there's no problem but he would but he didn't have the fear factor that david had <laughs> i no. would the fine is like it's not ideal is it but i i would i remember we played a game once for um against stevenage i think when david would first come and glenn paul got subbed might have been up like into the second half and he sort of stormed off and uh and then we come and address him after and and, and they um, told him off in no uncertain terms didn't raise his voice but there was words along the line if you do that again i'll hang you from the fucking floodlight and i was scared just sitting there and not even talking. And you know but like without raising his voice it was just like colin didn't have that didn't no. have, i mean that's not that wasn't his style and he didn't need to be because he was uh, he had many other strengths but like i said for me personally i needed someone like that that was just gonna tell me how it is keep me on the straight and narrow but again because of because of my age, like as an older player, I wouldn't needed that. Because I was self motivated and understood what I needed to do to be successful. With that young age, I was still sort of working that out. Yeah. Uh, I,
3: I, and David Webb, you think he probably is someone who would hang someone from the floodlight literally yeah.
1: as well? Yeah, yeah, right? I do. Yeah, no, I, I, did, I didn't doubt that that would happen if he done it again. And it isn't. <laughs> yeah. But we had it there was another incident where I don't know if you remember Dean Chandler was on like a three month contract. Yeah. Um, and then we had it for Harry done one of his like it was a, I think it was a charity cricket match
2: oh yeah yeah um, and,
1: parrot. Yeah. yeah that's it and 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 because dean thought it'd be funny because he was quite pale to come out with with just his cricket pads on when he was batting and nothing else <laughs> I don't know, yeah. and and dave was fuming like because he was met uh, dean was injured and he just sat him there and then <laughs> Ooh, blimey, right? yeah, like, like literally on the monday and it was like wowzers but it was the sort of thing where obviously, i thought it was a bit much but it won. Dean become a bit of a sacrif- sacrificial lamb I'd suggest and that was his way of saying to the whole team don't mess, mess around that's what happens and it was everyone was like oh yeah
3: um
1: so yeah there was there was a few incidents like that where he could just he just had that like I said he just had that that fear factor in him which which like I said that and it would work but there wasn't a fear on the pitch where where you couldn't do things you just you knew what you had to do and you had to do your job yeah. And he was from the old school where if you'd done your job well, we'd just say nothing probably. <laughs> and Paulie yeah. would tell you and that's that's how people managed in those days. Well,
3: I remember I was at the time I was working for the uh for the paper down in yo and I've got a confession to make, actually, because I wrote the story. I, I got we got uh, phone calls about the eg- exploits at Dover, uh, <laughs> and I wrote a story about it in the paper. And what, when I tried to talk to Warren Patmore after that, he refused to speak to me because he said no, because you stick sniffy up, and I'm not talking to you. <laughs> yeah. So I I owe you an apology for that one. But, I, think uh, I, think uh, I think I do I think I remember Dave Webb after uh, after he left the oval. The next time I ever saw him was a. There's a picture and i think it was in the sun and he was at reggie Cray's funeral stood at the side of the road and i thought to myself oh wow right okay everything i thought about there's probably a bit true it. well
1: it's funny actually because that was the um, he always used to talk about the craze all the time, all the time. we always used to think that's bullshit but, <laughs> no, and then and then like you say the one of the fumes he was literally in the front in the front yeah. rows and everyone was like oh my god right okay but, <laughs> really I got, I got to know his, i got to know his son quite well um Oh, Danny, wasn't it? Danny Webb with yeah. Danny at, um, at End and we've come across each other quite a lot through through other stuff. And I always used to say to him, "God, I bet you didn't run late for your dinner, in you? He's <laughs> shouting, "You're coming, you're coming!" And he just laughs and goes, "Yep." <laughs> really? You um, you left the oval to go
0: to Southend. That was Dave Webb was manager there as well, wasn't he at the time? Am I yeah. right in saying that? Yeah. Um. So, you know that. How did it go for you at South end and uh, you know just straight after the, that I suppose Gary Johnson joined Yeovil and the you know the the story of that is you know has been done ad nauseum, and how successful Gary was what what were you thinking at the time after leaving and then seeing what was going on at hewish Park?
1: yeah, it's probably one of my one of my regrets really so i uh, so basically what happened at the end of that season if you remember rightly so Colin Addison left mm. um so then, basically, John Fry said to everyone that was out of contract, look, I can't, I'm not offering you new contracts till the new manager comes in, but we'll just pay you on a, like a rolling month-to-month contract. Um, and then, obviously, by, effectively, you're coming in on trial, really, in pre-season if, if the manager wants to keep you great. If you don't, then you don't. So that put every people like myself in a bit of an awkward situation because, you know, you could be there for a month of pre-season, says he, don't want you, he wants to get rid of you. So, obviously, I'd had a good relationship with David, so I rung him and he said he'd take me. Take me for a season which um obviously South End's cl- close to where I grew up and stuff, so that, that seemed on the face of it to be a good move, obviously, with South End being a football league club as well. Um, but obviously, after everything that happened at Yova, I regret that because I look at that young, vibrant team that Gary put together, and I'm pretty sure that I would have fitted quite well into that, and also I think it would have helped me grow up because of. The professionalism that he sort of put in place and the the way the team uh, team sort of grew together. I don't see any reason why I couldn't have been part of that, you know, with Darren and Lee Johnson in that midfield. I look at see Paul Terry went there later and, and done well and I would um you know what I mean I say I could have done that role mm. quite easily. Um so yeah, there's a there's a regret there, but who knows, you know what I mean? I could have could have got to PTs and Gary Johnson could have said, No, you're not for me and then i would have been left in limbo so um it's hindsight's a wonderful thing and it is easy to say now yeah i wish wish i'd stayed and if if you could have guaranteed that i would have stayed there if i would had a one year contract i would have done it 100% but um you know when you when you get the opportunity to go to a club the league above after having a pretty poor end to the season i suppose you can't really really turn it down
3: yeah i mean have you still watched out for the result you've obviously played a lot of uh a club of clubs since you left Yeovil. Do you, do you keep an eye on the results? and What have you made of, of, of what they've done since since you left?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, look, I follow all the teams I've played for, but mainly like Yeovil, Hereford and Crawley would probably be the teams that I've got the most, you know, affinity for because I had the best, some of the, some some of my best times at at, at those clubs. Um, yeah, look, I've looked, obviously it's it's a shame, isn't it, after everything that the club's done and getting up to the yeah. You know, like the club's bigger than the conference, but obviously it was never a championship club. You know, that's that that was just some fantastic recruitment, performance, coaching to get them to the championship level. You know, I, I would suggest that Yeovil's natural place in the pyramid is probably top of League Two, middle of League One at best, with the with the attendance that they can get. So it's sad that obviously the club worked so hard to get into the football league, and from getting from one league away from the Premier League to then sort of four or five years later to be back in non-league. It's obviously a shame, but this is, um, this is football, isn't it? And it's quite cyclical and, and teams have their good moments and their, their not-so-good moments. I think it's hard for a club like you ever, where you're located. If you don't pay big money, which I'm pretty sure they don't, to get the quality of players that you want to relocate to the area is always a, a, a challenge. And I think that's where Gary was probably quite astute, where he got a lot of young players with probably very few family responsibilities that could move to the area. Um. And that obviously now it's just hoping the club can get back into the football league. And I thought last year, again, I haven't watched any of the games, so I'm just speaking from afar. I thought last year they'd done well to get in the playoffs from where they'd come from with with a pretty much a new squad and stuff. I Thought that was a a good turnout. Obviously this year there's just been it's been a nightmare season, not just for Yeovil but for every club in it with the COVID restrictions and stuff. And I think that any clubs at that level that are solvent and and still alive, that's got to be success. Success in itself. Yeah, we've been
3: talking on here, haven't we? In about don't go bust and go don't go down. That's about the achievement that we hope for this season. I think. But, but you
1: know what? I can't believe that more teams haven't gone into financial trouble. Yeah. Whether they're just kicking the can down the road and that's going to come to to light to light next season, I don't know. We've obviously a lot of people have to refer tax and, and stuff like that. I'm not sure, but you you would have expected mostly you you get in a normal season you get more teams in financial problems than you've had this year, which which I find I find strange.
0: Yeah, I'm sort of thinking about those teams in like League One that have maybe come down from the Championship and have got you know high wages, and those are the clubs that I'm looking out for in the next couple of years to think what are they you know what's going to happen to them.
1: Yeah, and, and the, the, just the way things are going at the moment, you're not even sure that we're going to be playing in front of full stadiums next year. And I know in the lower leagues that's not as important, is it? Because you've got an eight thousand stadium and you you normally get two thousand. They're letting in a quarter of the. Of the capacity then that's not really an issue is it because you're still probably going to get in your normal escape gate but for some of the other clubs that, that rely on bigger gates I'm, I'll be amazed if we go from where we are now to first game of the season no restrictions I'll be, I'll be surprised if that's the case
0: yeah definitely definitely um, if you had to pick a club that was the favourite from your career uh, which club would it be uh, you can say anyone but not Weymouth
1: uh, <laughs> yeah not, not quite Weymouth no Hereford would be the club that I enjoyed playing at moment just because I had the most success there, I've, you know, part the last season I was, there, I was in League One, we got relegated, but other than that, I would have had four and a half pretty successful successful years there, and there's another club which I, I, again, they I might not appreciate this, but I think Yoga and Hereford are quite similar clubs, you know, in a bit of a uh, they're a bit out on a limb um, but they're, they're really really well-run, good good football clubs with lots of potential, and I've always liked playing at clubs like that. Like I said, I would have liked to have had a real legacy at one club, whether that had been Yovo or a bit like what Skibbo's got Yovo, you know, where he's maybe not him because he's been there for like 30 odd years now, whatever it is, but, you know, like and where you play the majority of your career and get to make a real impression somewhere. I look at my career and think I made a bit of an impression at, lot, at a few clubs, but not no one where you'd say, oh, you know, he was here for seven, eight years, played three, 400 games. You know, that's what I would have liked. But again, I've probably moved a lot of the times for the sometimes for the right reason, sometimes for the wrong, but always to try and better myself. It didn't always work out. Um, I should have been a bit more strategic, probably, of when I moved from club to club, rather than just moving, just because someone wanted me. But yeah, Hereford would be the team where I feel like I had the, the biggest, biggest impact.
3: Yeah. Oh, oh, what would be your, if you could talk now to, to Ben Smith, who signed for the Town? what would be
1: your, your advice to your, to your what, 19-year-old
3: self? Was it 19 you were when you were old? Yeah, yeah, 19.
1: Yeah listen to people that know better um and just work hard and i know it sounds so simplistic but when i was a young player i used to work really hard like i would be it's quite funny there's a there's an old people's home near where i used to live and i used to go over there every day like practicing you know like you read it in it's different these days because young players are in academies from young ages so they're all in like sort of um sort of their coach being coached every every day whereas when when i played really you was pretty much taught yourself so like from like 10 i'll be over the field every day by myself practicing practicing like totally dedicated to the game then when i got to sort of 16 17 i just got distracted by the other stuff like going out drinking girls and just lost that for sort of probably from like 17 to 21 i took me off the ball and i would just wish i'd kept that dedication the only, just the one thing I look back on and think I didn't reach my full potential. I was never, I should have had probably a career like skivos, I would have said. You know, playing like League Two, League One, my whole career, rather than Conference League Two. That's what I I feel like. I feel like I didn't, i would never had the athleticism to play at the high level because I wasn't quick enough. But I look back on that with a bit of regret. So it's just, it's, it's just as simplistic as just working hard and listening to people that know better. I think at that age, I think I thought I knew knew everything. I think
0: that's probably a life lesson for everyone at that age, though, regardless of, you know, being a footballer or not, it's, you know, you do think you know everything when you're, when you're that it, age.
1: Exactly. And that's not unique to me, is it? Like you say, a lot of teenagers feel like that. But I think as well, age, is you're in a rush to get to places. Yeah. You think you want to be earning this, you want to have a house, you want to have it and all that. When really, if you just concentrate on working hard every day and getting better every day, all those things you want will eventually happen. When you're young, you can't see three or four years ahead, you see a week or two weeks or a month ahead, didn't you? Mate? It's been a bit more patient as well, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the thing I love about your book is the the like juxtaposition from that when you go from talking about being in school and teaching the kids to talking about, you know, your, your career. Um, are you still teaching? What what are you doing now? No chance. <laughs>
1: I hate that. But it's, but it's it's strange. and So I went into it. So literally, I stopped playing for Crawley. I was 33. And then three months later, I'm working in the school. So again, it's a bit probably arrogant for me, thinking I could just go and walk in and teach. I didn't realize how hard it is being a teacher. But I was like just thrown in the deep end, like I think I said in the book about I was I went from being a footballer to teaching A-level economics. like, <laughs> I'm like but I, I think I'm quite Dave Webb
3: not teach you anything about economics,
1: no. Well, he, he did, but um, he, his type of business, I think, was a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, in, not off the books, yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, but but look, in, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So, um, and it was my fault, obviously, for putting myself in my that position. It was the school's fault as well for putting me into a position which I weren't ready for. And I've got no problem being out of my comfort zone, but when you're out of your comfort zone about 80% of the week, I think that leads to a nervous breakdown if you're not careful. So, uh, so I did that for a year quickly realised that weren't for me and it also it, I think as well when you've been in football for as long as I've been you probably take it for granted and then you realise when you're not doing it how much you love the game and and obviously at that at that sort of time at that age 33, 34 the, the playing at any decent level would, had finished so then I just sort of moved into coaching so I went to uh, worked at Braintree Town who would have uh, who'd been a there was a conference team at the time I think they were and they had like a football academy so I worked in there and then for the last Six and a half years I've been working at Brighton in their academy, so that hence why I live in Worthing. Um, yeah. I now coach their under fifteen and under sixteen. So and and hopefully I try and teach them the errors of my ways and 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 try and stop them making the sort of mistakes that, that I made. And that hence why I, I touched on a bit earlier saying about the education that the players get now compared to what we got is just of a different a, a, a different a different level. So like I said, it's we, we've been quite quite lucky really because the last three years has been myself and Steve Sidwell working with my players, with our players, sorry. So obviously Steve had a stellar career at um, Reading and Fulham and Aston Villa and Chelsea and really maximised his ability. And then I had a career at the, in the lower levels where I have a little bit of regret about not getting to where I should have got, so I always felt, I felt we, we were a good combination where we had the, you know, sort of both sides of the coin.
3: So can we rely on you to send some of the talented Brighton youngsters our way then, Ben?
1: Well, I wouldn't. I don't think you'd want the fifteen-year-olds. I'm not sure they'd be ready for you. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, but nowhere well, the club. Um, I don't know how much you know about Brighton, but they have a lot of um, yeah. like a big lone army of sort of twenty, thirty players. So they're always looking to um to get experience at the right club for for players. So obviously as well, I'm, I'm sure you know Andrew Crofts come to Yeovil for a yeah. little bit, and then now he's the under twenty-three coach at. At Brighton so he's obviously got 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 good links with, with yeah. the open a lot of his players are the ones that sort of go out on loan so yeah you never know We did have we James, have James
0: Tilly. Tilly yeah a couple of years ago Yeah so
1: James would have been in the youth team when I first joined so my initial role was to be the under 18s assistant and I become the under 16s lead coach so James would have been in the in the under 18s um in the under 18s at that time so he's uh he's he's at the moment is having is having a decent career and he's gone I know he's at, he's at Crawley now and uh seems to be doing okay. I think for all those boys that when they're in a Premier League or what we were then, a Cat 1 championship youth team, they all think they're going to be superstars. Probably a little bit like what I was like when I was at Arsenal at 17, 18. But I think for any of those boys, if you go on and stabilize yourself and have a professional football career for 10, 15 years, that is success. It's similar. Like I look back on my career with regret, like I said, not maybe hitting the levels I should have. But I also look back and think I had 17 years as a professional footballer and there was a lot of players that did better than me that I think that i will maybe better than, but there was also a lot of players that were better than me that didn't have anywhere near the sort of level of career that I had. So it's um, sort of, it's a little bit, a little bit of a double-edged sword and obviously James Tilly, hopefully is going to go on to have a, a good career. Maybe he climbs back up the leagues. maybe he don't, but like I said, if he can, he can stabilize and have 15 years as a, as a, as a, professional footballer, he'll have done all right.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you talk about regrets, but if, if you can channel those regrets and you know educate other people not to make those then you know in 20 years time or whatever you'll probably look back and think i'm you know as a, as an overall career in football that you wouldn't have those regrets because you know who, who's to say that your your lessons that you teach are going to lead to some you know you might have some players who are playing for england because of yeah. stuff you've said so you know is it's difficult. It might be difficult to think about the playing side, but yeah, long term, you know.
1: Yeah, well, and and that's the good to come out of isn't it. You can you can you can sulk about anything. I could have done a, a bit better, and maybe I could have. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I could. Maybe not. But like I said it's it's important for me to just pass on the lessons. And you don't probably until some of the boys that I would get older, you don't really know how much of it's stuck or not. But look, it's it's, it's up to them. And it, my job is to give them the information, good information, and help them it's their job to decide what they take on board and what they don't, just like I would have done as a young player. You know, I had people like Pat Rice who obviously went on and, and worked with Wenger for 20 odd years. He was my youth team manager who gave me some fantastic advice. Some I listened to, some I looked back and didn't and should have. And that's yeah. part of growing up, I suppose, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, um, thank you very much for your time uh, this evening. Really appreciate yeah, your, you. your chat and your honesty. Yeah. Um, yeah, really great. Thank you.
1: No problem. My pleasure.
2: Back in the studio now, and I am back with the lads. Lads, I really enjoyed that interview with Ben Smith. Um, it's it's an odd one for me, Ben Smith, because he was a Yeovil Town player, just a smidgen before I sort of latched on to the club. I I saw him play. I remember the era of of Patmore and Pennock and sort of that era, but I didn't really sort of solidify my support until the sort of year after he left. So I know him more as a Hereford United. Well, he's a, he's a bit of a legend in those parts, isn't he? I seem to recall an FA Cup game against Leeds, possibly on the telly, where I think Hereford and, and Leeds sort of went at each other and it was a it was a really good game. How was he to talk to lads? Because he's 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 a he's a really nice interviewee, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he was great to talk to, and I sort of expected it from you know his his autobiography. Obviously, not many footballers of you know his particular stature in the game come out with successful autobiographies and I think it's fair to say is is very successful and um certainly one of the better ones I've read and yeah very articulate very honest and really open about you know that what he did when he was younger and and specifically at Yeovil Town and how he sort of wasted that opportunity it was um definitely with age he has learned that you know he, he should have and could have done things a lot differently and his career might have been different but I think that's not to say his career wasn't good for me, you know. To play for I know Hereford, you know they're, they're enemies, but to play for Hereford in the football league and Crawley, and to play at Old Trafford, um, was that for Crawley? I think he played um, yeah, against Man yeah, United as for, well. I think came yeah, did you? You know, I think there's there's plenty of players who are going to wish they had the career that he did, even if it was a little bit delayed, you know, um, in the grand scheme of things. And yeah, yeah, a really good chat. What about you, Dave? What did you think of it?
3: Yeah, I thought, like you say, the the honesty just rang through, and I think, as you say, I've read his book and really, really enjoyed it, and and, and that really comes through with everything um, he, he talks about there. But I, I remember him when he when he came to the club, and he was just s- such a natural talent of a of a player, um, and it, and he said it didn't he? You know, it was his talent that enabled him to carry on putting in the performances that he did, despite the fact that he wasn't really you know doing what he should have done off the pitch. But it, he was another one of um, of those players that I, I, you know, just love watching, you know, like uh, I've mentioned it before, being really sad that I'm not going to see Josh Neufeld because he's Josh Neufield's a player that got you on the edge of the seat, and Ben Smith was the same as well. He got the ball and you just thought something special was going to happen here, and obviously we were. Um, you know, uh, in the in the in the conference back then, um, and he really did, you know, sort of pull some teams apart. And um, he spoke about the performance he's put in when um, when Dave Webb arrived at the club and <laughs> and everything that came with David Webb. But um, yeah, he was uh, he was a real real natural talent. I think everyone would remember him for um uh, for, for 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 being that.
0: Yeah, I think I was about I was ten or eleven. I think when well, I would have been about ten when he was sort of playing um, and I always remember him being like he, he didn't start when I when I first started going he wasn't like the first name on the team sheet type player he had I think he had Steve Thompson and Tony Pounder yeah. and Steve Stott probably ahead of him in yeah. in centre midfield Um, and then you know he started to grow into it and come through and he was one of those players that I always remember him being quite cultured, and I think you won't know Dave. But I think he was left-footed, and he, yeah. <laughs> he and you know, he had you know that ring was, yeah, that yeah. was that was quite a niche one. And he, he always seemed to, he was one of those players who just got it on the floor and played it nicely. And yeah. I think one of the big things that you get from the book and, and our conversation was that his regrets about leaving before you know Gary had come in and you know the situation was he didn't know if he was going to get a contract and he had to he had to do it but I just think what he would have fitted in perfectly he might not have been you know he he would have had to compete with Lee Johnson and and Darren Way was there at the time because he'd come in with David Webb um he would have had to have competed but I think you know the the level of those players and how that group sort of raised everyone up I, I think he would have been an important part of that team
3: yeah, and he, he he talks about um David Webb and the impact he had on his career. I mean Gary Johnson was more in the David Webb mold than he was in the sort of Colin Addison, Colin Lippiett mold, wasn't he? You know Gary was someone that you didn't mess around with. So um yeah he could have could have seen that. But interesting to hear him talk about what he's done since because I think in his fair to say we read his book. Um and if anyone does read his book, he talks about being a
0: school teacher. So it's
3: quite interesting to hear him say that he, he knocked that on the head. Uh, probably <laughs> sounds like as soon as he finished the book he yeah it
0: on the head. yeah i think he did it sounded
3: that I've, um, way,
2: anyway i've got the book in front of me actually yeah. and one of the things that struck me apart from the fact that he does wear adequately sized shin pads i can confirm from the <laughs> pictures in the middle is is actually i was just looking weirdly just at some of the chapter names and they almost feel a little bit i don't know self deprecating oh
0: yeah. very so much you've got,
2: so um getting back to my best decisions decisions unfinished business a false dawn on the move again. What have I done? One year too many. Last chance. Counting down <laughs> the days. What might have been? Yeah. Um, I was, I was, I was surprised at his honesty. Do you think? Do you think he has more regrets than maybe he let on about his career? He talked about not being the skivo, didn't he? About about not having a football league career, of not having those moments of getting into. To League One and to, and to having big days out at Wembley and things like that. Do you think he has more what might have been, not regrets, regrets is the wrong word maybe, but more of those thoughts of if only than maybe he let on?
0: I mean, I think that might be me with my green tinted spectacles on. I think it feels like there's regrets about Yeovil and obviously he refers to Skivo and he was part of the team with Skivo. Um yeah, I think there's there's an element of regretting the decision to leave. Um and yeah, obviously not having that legacy career like Skivo's had and, you know, plenty of others the players have had too. But yeah, I, I don't know if there's more to that. I don't know if there's more regrets. Um okay.
3: I think the thing from from the book, and obviously we didn't talk to him about anything that happened to him after he left Yeovil, Oval, but um, you do get that, and he, he mentions in the interview, didn't he, that Hereford was the you know the club that he he really felt um, was was the one his favourite of his of his career. As you said, ben, you yeah, know, he he played a lot of games at national uh, um, uh, football league level, so I think he would probably look back on it and said. And he, uh, yeah, I had a great career. I had a really good time. You know, um, I, I could have done a lot more. Um, I, I probably had the talent to do a lot more. But you know, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I did all right. It's probably the way you would say it. So I think if we'd have spoken to him more about his career after Euro, we would have heard, um, you know, a bit more positivity um, out of him. But he, he was a he
2: was a decent player. Yeah, yeah well, I'm we just touched looking on at his that stats now. I'm just looking at the stats. Sorry, sorry, hundred and thirteen times he played. Only was with yeah. us for a few years. Yeah. He scored he fifteen it. goals. Played in, in sort of a nice time. I'm looking at the pictures actually again from the book, and our, our good friend A.D. Hopper gets a gets a credit for some of the pictures. And he played, I remember the um the game against Manchester United under 19s I think, came down, didn't they? I remember that game quite oh, yeah. clearly. That was yeah. one of that was one of my earlier games. I remember that. I got the uh, I got the autograph book out especially. I don't think I got any one of any notes. I think you all disappeared. But um, yeah, I, I, do remember, I do remember going to that game and he was a good player, even though you could tell that there was something there about him. But I feel like maybe Hereford and Shrewsbury and, and Weymouth kind of got the best of him. What we did. I don't think Weymouth got the best of him. I, I, well, I'd, I'd say
3: says, in, in terms of <laughs> natural talent, natural talent um, or, of him, I, I, he... He, he, he talked about in his interview about coming out of full-time football, going into you know. I think his natural talent was in you know abundance um, to anybody you know to the him playing at that at that particular time. I think we saw a good you know a good section of uh, of Ben Smith. I think he became a bit of a different player, didn't he? When and, he um you know yeah. more of a I, I think, holding midfielder, maybe.
0: I think that's what I remember of him he was different from all the other players at that time. Yeah. There was something more creative about him than the others that, that came in. And you could tell that he, you know, obviously this was my first experience of even going to watch football, but there was, whether it was the hair, there was just something about him that was different from the rest of the, 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 the guys that were playing. And I guess at that time in the midfield, they were all a little bit older, you know, Tony yeah, Pounder would have I been think. finishing up. Steve Thompson was assistant after that. Um, Steve Stott didn't play much longer. Um, I can't remember who else we would have had in midfield, but they were all cousins. Cousins Oh yeah, yeah, Rob Cousins. Yeah, I think that might have been his first or it was either his last or second from last season. I think Mm -hmm. he he sort of moved on when Webb came. I think I seem to recall, but you know there was others like he he mentioned Glenpool and Jamie Pittman and um i remember dean chandler as well so yeah there was always something about ben smith that s- stood out amongst the others and you know the amount of games he did play for us he didn't did he play more for other teams there wasn't there's not that much different in, one, in the amount of not games Not in one
2: stint no for hereford he did for hereford he clocked up one five one yeah but he didn't do it in one stint. he did it over two spells yeah it yeah. was 113 for us one for south end 52 Hereford, 24 Shrewsbury, Weymouth 44 scores 13 goals for them. Uh, 99 Hereford again, then went to Crawley for that that sort of late renaissance uh, up until 2012 when he kind of called it a day. Um, I'm just I, I'm just reading I'm just reading the back end again of the Yeovil chapter here and I think it's it's only fair that we that we quote cider at a time like this. Because he does in the book, he says, Ciderspace, the unofficial club website covering everything Yeovil Town, wrote the following about me when I left the club. Ben can be a hugely frustrating player to watch, but at the same time, he's blessed with more natural talent than most. When motivated, he's good enough to play at a much higher level. He said, I think this quote summed me up pretty well. As disappointed as I was to leave Yeovil, South End move meant I had a chance to play at a higher level, with the added bonus I could move back to Essex. It was a strange situation because I'd loved my time at Yofor and settled in the area. I was leaving behind a lot of friends, including Skiver, who of course was his lodger for a while.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. Good so,
2: summary, I'd say.
0: Yeah.
3: Mr.
2: Yeah.
0: Baker, I imagine,
3: he, say putting put those words down.
0: He nailed that, didn't he? As always. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I and think I, I I don't really remember the frustrating side of him, but that's because I was a kid and you know they were all my heroes, just because they had green tops on. Um, whereas, you know, now I'd probably be cussing him, but (laughs) do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you know, I've got, you know, fond memories of him. I was quite excited to interview him just because when I was a kid, I quite enjoyed him as a player. Um, and yeah, it was worth, worth the chat. I think hopefully the listeners will have enjoyed the conversation with him as well, because we, you know, the ones we enjoy doing, um, tends to come across that way. I think so.
2: Yeah, and absolutely. I would I, I would say if you can get a hold of his book, it is just a genuinely interesting way of looking at it. because normally your football autobiographies of are, are of you know your, your your big name superstars at the very top of the game who get to autobi get to autobiography status and Ben Smith is clearly a bit of a wordsmith. That's part of 400 pages took yeah. a while to get through, mind, um, but it's definitely worth a talk to- a go through. He talks about uh, Steve Evans. Oh, those are great uh, convicted- stories. <laughs> Convicted criminal Steve Evans and his training methods in less than complimentary fashion, and his swear, <laughs> and
0: his swearing.
2: Yes, yeah. exactly. So yeah. it's definitely, definitely worth grabbing. Um
0: It's four hundred pages, but it's an absolute page turner. You, yeah. I, yes. I found, you know, I, I, I'm with books. I'm either totally in or you know you've got the first couple of pages to grab me and keep me going and and his book I absolutely yeah I didn't put it down I read it you, you know in, in short order
3: for footballer's autobiography as well it's none of this at the end of the day and 110% is it none of that it's <laughs> yeah. all yeah no. No, he, he he's got away with words definitely so no it is it, it is a good book if you can get hold of it if you haven't read it I I recommend it definitely
0: and just one more no, thing very... I think the wider context of You know, we said this in the chat with him that you know he talks about the regret about his playing career and you know his time at Yeovil, but post playing, what he's doing now and you know his all round career at the end of it when he decides to finish up. You know, if you look at that, then what an impact he could have had on football. You know, I said you know training kids at Brighton in the Premier League is. A massive, you know, it's a it's a massive job now. You know, that's that's the future of the future of the England team potentially there. So yeah, I think the self deprecating side on his playing career, um, you know, hopefully that'll wear off as he as he gets through his coaching career and, and he produces some gems maybe. And send some our way. Yes. Please, yeah, yeah.
2: please, please. please. <laughs> if you don't mind, that'll be quite nice. I, I I think we should end by saying there are very few people who are gonna get the praise and admiration. Out of a Yeovil Town podcast, who to have played for both Hereford and Weymouth. <laughs> yeah, we, we're trying so, to gloss
3: over that, aren't we? Eh?
2: I'll be honest with you; he must have done something thirteen games to then go on and play for both Hereford and Weymouth, and still be invited back to the Glovers' <laughs> cast. So that I think well, stands him in, in in really good stead.
0: Coates he had to apologise for writing the story about him <laughs> and his beer bottles. So. That's I why. did
3: I did. Apo- get <laughs> my apologies there. And if Warren Patmore is listening, I have apologised. So you can, uh, was, you can talk to me again now. I was thinking he was like, going to
0: hang up on that. I was like, oh, God, please don't. Please don't. <laughs>
3: he found the funny side of it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, fair play to him for that. But even he admitted that was a little bit of a silly thing to do, banging <laughs> on the windows and waving beer bottles at people while they're playing a match. But
2: there we... Well, I'll tell you what, lads. I'll tell you what, lads. You've done it again you pulled it out of the bag with Graham Roberts. You've done it again. You've pulled it out of the bag with Ben Smith. Glovers, Kath, listeners, I hope you're appreciating the work that these guys are going to, to get these interviews. There's another one coming um, in the near future as well. We may have already released it by the time you actually hear that. We may have already released the name at least. So uh, we're really hoping you're enjoying these sort of uh, look backs on a few uh, former names that we all love to hear from as well. So, lads, excellent work. Well played. And uh, Ben Smith? Thank you very much for your time at Yeovil, Tick. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindergaard making
0: for his back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris.
2: He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening. Stansfield, good turn away from
1: John, goal!